plastic pollution, deforestation, global warming. Sometimes it feels like there's just nothing we can do as individuals about our environmental crisis. But at The Oath Project, we believe that small acts, when done collectively, can create massive impacts. That's why we created this podcast, to share the stories of the individuals who are doing just that, one act at a time, to help the earth. And hey, who knows, maybe after this episode, you'll be inspired to, as we call it, hashtag take the oath and commit to doing just one act at a time. Now on with the episode. Hello, and welcome back to One Act at a Time, Stories of Change. I'm your host, Cheryl. The work we do through our podcast and our organization, The Oath Project, is based out of Mi'kma'ki, the ancestral and traditional lands of the Mi'kmaq people. And our work extends well beyond this geography, so we acknowledge and appreciate all of the many First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and all Indigenous people whose footsteps have marked these lands for millennia. Today I'm here with my co-host Shitang Shu, president of the Oak Project. Hi, Shitang Shu. Hello, everyone. For our theme this month, we are coming back to Earth's roots to talk about trees. To what extent are trees the solution? Why do we need them? And how can we get more? Here to help us break down the facts about tree planting is the founder of Plant for the Planet, Felix Finkbeiner. Welcome to the pod. Hey, thank you. Felix, I'm really interested to hear about your inspiration to get involved in climate action. Can you tell me a bit about your background and how at nine years old, you were inspired to call on other children to plant one million trees in every country? Absolutely. We're actually really excited because right now we're celebrating our birthday. Um, It was pretty much exactly. 15 years ago that that plan for the planet kicked off and it was it had you know very very small origins back then i was a fourth grade student and my favorite animal was the polar bear until i found out in class uh, when we learned a bit about the about climate change the climate crisis that the polar bear was in danger um, so I wanted to do something to, to protect my favorite animal and in the process i found out about vangari matai a woman from Kenya who had started a movement that ended up planting 30 million trees across Kenya and East Africa in the next uh, 30 years. So this started off in the 1970s in Kenya. She was an incredibly brilliant woman. She used tree planting not just as a tool to address environmental concerns, but also as a tool for women's empowerment. But I was, you know, I was nine years old. I didn't understand the full brilliance of her work. All I understood was that trees help fight the climate crisis. Trees help uh, protect the polar bear. And that's why I wanted to plant as many trees as possible with the other kids in my class and, and, and everywhere. And so I gave a little um, presentation about my school, in my school, uh, about this idea. And lots of other kids in my class loved it and uh, joined in. So now... We're, it's 15 years later, and our mission is to convince the world to restore one trillion trees on Earth. And to achieve that, we've got lots of children, youth all around the world uh, doing what I did back then in their schools, giving presentations, organizing tree planting events, and so on in their local community. That's the, the one part of what we do. The second important part of what we do is we restore 
forest ecosystems at larger scales. For instance, I'm in, in southern Mexico at the moment on the Yucatan Peninsula, where we've got a team of about uh, 100 colleagues working every day to restore this forest. And we planted about 1.6 million trees in this area this past year. When we talk about these trillion trees, we talk about this concept of, of restoration, which is a bit broader than just uh, tree planting. Because um, the beauty of nature is that in many ecosystems that are not extremely degraded, they can actually heal themselves, restore themselves, regrow themselves. And there's not that much we humans need to do aside from letting nature regrow and, and restore itself. So the beauty of this goal of a trillion trees is that we don't actually have to plant them all. We always have to figure out what's the most effective restoration technique here and then, um, and then work with nature to, to restore these ecosystems. So the bringing back these, these trillion trees that we do so desperately need is actually a lot easier than it sounds and absolutely doable. And I really hope that we manage to work together as a, as a global community uh, with all of the important actors, companies, governments, organizations, um, and of course, landowners as well to bring back these important ecosystems. So that's our, the restoration side of what we do. The third important part of our work is developing software to help all of the restoration projects all around the world fundraise for their work and to scale up their restoration and make their work more transparent. So we create a lot of software that's entirely uh, free and, and open source that anyone can use to improve their restoration work. And finally, we are now also developing um, a team to do restoration research to figure out how do we, how can we improve um, the quality of, of forest restoration and be more effective uh, when we do it. And we've got a small team of researchers already working here on the Yucatan Peninsula as well. So that's, I guess, the broad overview of what we do. And on the side, um, aside from, from that work, I'm also a PhD student at the moment in, in restoration ecology, also trying to understand how we better restore forests. That's so incredible, Felix. Just so many incredible projects. And I want to say happy birthday. That's amazing. And it's, it's cool to see. Uh, yeah, it's an organization. It just seems to be continuing to grow leaps and bounds, continuing to make a difference, you know, finding cool, innovative ways and in how you're doing it beyond even what you're doing. Maybe from that side, like maybe a bit of a scientific question, Felix, and that, especially as you, you talk about, you know, your own PhD studies, looking at the science of restoration. And can you tell us the importance of trees? Why are they such a critical piece to this whole climate equation in terms of preserving what we have and then perhaps equally also, you know, replanting some of what we've lost? Like what makes trees so critical? Uh, in that bigger conversation around climate change? Well, the, the beauty of trees is that they're effectively machines that can capture the CO2 we emit, and then they break apart the, the molecule CO2 into carbon and O2. O2 is then released back into the atmosphere, as everyone learned when they learned about photosynthesis probably around sixth grade. And the, the carbon is stored within either the trunk of the tree or, or the tree in itself, or the soil um, around the tree. So these trees are these wonderful machines that help us uh, fight this crisis. And the big tragedy is that we lost a lot of our global um, forest ecosystems in the past uh, centuries and millennia even. So about 11,000 years ago, we used to have about 6 trillion trees on Earth. 
6 trillion, but of those 6 trillion, only about half of them still exist today. So we only have 3 trillion trees today. Now, in a perfect world, we would bring back all of these forests that we humans have destroyed. But of course, we're now almost 8 billion people on Earth. We need a lot of space for agriculture. And that's the main barrier in bringing back all of these trees. So it's not possible to get back to 6 trillion trees. But according to some very interesting research by several professors in, in, in recent years, we can restore about 1 trillion uh, trees on Earth. So we can't go from 3 trillion back to 6 trillion, but we can get from about 3 trillion to 4 trillion trees without directly competing with, with agriculture. So that's our mission to convince the world to restore these forests. And that's essential because our governments have repeatedly promised at um, in international climate conventions that global temperature rise will not increase by more than 1.5 degrees. That was a big part of the um, Paris Accord from 2015. But if we actually want to limit temperature rise to 1.5 degrees, that's not possible without restoring these forests at scale throughout the world. So it's essential that we do that. And this is, of course, only the carbon, the CO2, the climate change perspective. Restoring these forests is, of course, also incredibly important to protect the world's biodiversity, both plant biodiversity, but of course, all the other kingdoms as well. If we do reach that goal of restoring one trillion trees, is that the answer to our climate problems? Or is it a big part of the answer? Or where does it fit in? There. I'm, I'm really glad you asked this question because this is incredibly important to understand that forest restoration or, or tree planting in itself will never solve this problem. There just isn't nearly enough, um, there are nearly enough destroyed forests for us to restore to capture all of the carbon that, that we are emitting. So to actually make sure that global temperature rise does not increase by, um, does not surpass 1.5 degrees. The absolutely most important thing we have to do is drastically reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. If we don't do that, everything else is lost. But reducing emissions by itself is unfortunately also no longer enough. We've simply waited too long to reduce our emissions. So reduction alone just isn't sufficient anymore. That's why we have to drastically reduce our emissions and restore the world's forest ecosystems. Just maybe to give people a sense of scale of, of what we are emitting at the moment. Please do. Half of all global greenhouse gas emissions were emitted in the last 30 years, right? So 30 years, it's roughly this time scale since we, we understood how serious this challenge of, of the climate crisis is. Of course, the first researcher to ever discover the greenhouse effect, um, that was over 120 years ago. But it was about 30 years ago that we really understood how serious, how big of a challenge this is going to be. But since then, not only did we decrease our emissions, we've increased them so rapidly that we've emitted more, more greenhouse gas emissions since that point of realization than in our entire history before. So we're really currently still on a very dangerous path and we need to radically change um, our climate policies to have any chance of achieving our goals. Yeah, I, I like that you brought up the history of our knowledge of climate change and that 
we as people have known about this for decades on decades on decades. And I think something that's really inspiring about the work that you've done is at nine years old, you learned about something, you thought, hey, here's, here's a solution and just did it. And I think that in theory, it sounds really easy what you did, but not enough people, I think, are able to make that leap from knowledge to action. And that's what I want to ask you about is how did you turn that knowledge and hope into action so well? <laughs> well, and thank you, Cheryl. Actually, I think a big part of it is simply that I was nine years old back then, and you don't really think through things that much as a nine-year-old, which was a very, very good, good thing in this case. Because um, I, I told my classmates back then in that presentation that I briefly mentioned earlier that it, that we should plant trees. And I had this absurd idea that we should plant 1 million trees in each country of the world. I don't think I knew how many um, countries existed or what a million was, but I think it was just the biggest number I could think of. But lots of my classmates liked the idea. And we obviously had no plan of how we were going to do that. But nonetheless, the first step seemed quite obvious and quite clear, which was to plant our very first tree. And we did that about uh, two months later at the entrance of our school. And I guess at that point, we were incredibly lucky because two local journalists decided to report about this, this thing that we had done, this tree we had planted. And this is how um, some other local schools in the vicinity found out about this and also planted a couple of trees in their schools. And this is how it, it slowly um, started to develop. But I think there was an even more important step which was that um, uh, a local student who was already uh, quite a bit older than uh, than we were. I think um, he, his name was Sasha. He was maybe in 12th grade or something at the time. And he decided to uh, build a very simple website for us, which was essentially just a ranking among local schools of who had planted the most trees. And this then really turned the whole thing into a competition. Lots of schools trying to outcompete um, their neighboring schools trying to get to the, the top of that leaderboard. And this is how, how plant for the planet spread initially in, in southern Germany and then throughout um, all of Germany in that, that first year. And about one year after we planted our first tree, we had about 50,000 trees that were planted by, by, by lots of different schools. This idea, this idea of competition is still actually an important part of, of what we do. A lot of schools still still do that kind of these the kinds of competitions at Plant for the Planet. And, and the entire idea of our web app, our website, is also kind of based on that. Um, with leaderboards of, of who plants the most trees, who restores the most forests, to really encourage people to do as much uh, as they can and have fun in the process. Very cool. Uh, it, it just reminds me of uh, Cheryl's actually, uh, one of the things she does on the side is uh, using a course. And uh, one of the things we've been researching recently is this question of how do you motivate people towards climate action? Mm -hmm. And and I, I think it's such a very cool kind of way of, you know, like uh, tapping into those very real interests that, you know, human beings have, where, you know, we, we like to have fun, you know, we, we like to have this friendly kind of rivalry and like how you can actually use that in some ways for good and sometimes a competition that competitive spirit has you know got us into some uh, different like not great situations but it's kind of cool to see like how you've turned that uh into good and actually like as you're, you're talking Felix I shared uh before we started a call uh for the oath project back in the day uh, when we were thinking about 
what it meant to have like a, someone do an act one act at a time to help the earth and that like that initial ethos we, we I, I still remember like you know, I had heard about Planet Pretty Planet and you know I think I may have seen like a picture of that nine-year-old with your first tree or something and it's just like such a cool like image of how like that one tree is now on its way to becoming a trillion so honestly Felix just kudos to you for that uh, thank you very much so question, Felix, I, I'm also like really curious about things that you folks are doing to fund your projects, in particular Change Chocolate, I believe it's called, is it's a, it's a really incredible initiative. And can you share a little bit about like, kind of as what is your how uh, or how do you guys keep your work going? How do you keep funding yourselves? How are you using these innovative kind of business tools, you can say, to do the important work that you're doing, especially with Change Chocolate, but it sounds like you guys have lots of different like apps and all, all these other cool things going along uh, as well. So yeah, I can share a little bit about yeah, how you're using um, these different tools and, and ideas to ultimately push change. So a big part of our funding is actually kind of boring. We get support from, from private donors, which is obviously super important to us, people that donate through our website. We get support from other NGOs, a little bit from, from governments, and also from corporate partners. But the most fun part of how we fund ourselves is uh, through our change chocolate. This is really a, a rather weird story. It started off about 10 years ago. So this was about five years after we had started Plan for the Planet. We were still a, quite a small organization. When I got an invitation to give a talk at this big conference, which had many of the CEOs of the biggest chocolate companies. So we spent months before that thinking about how we can use this opportunity to help us grow our organization. And we came up with this idea that we could um, ask these CEOs to give to donate one euro per ton of chocolate they produce and sell. And that way we can uh, plant more trees. And so we presented that idea, or I presented that idea at that conference, and we were really excited. We'd prepared so much, but then there was not a single a participant there that wanted to support us. And that was super crushing. We were really disappointed. <laughs> and that's why uh, one of our ambassadors, uh, Max, I think he was um, 12 at the time, said then, let's make our own chocolate to, to show them. And this is, of course, in in retrospect, an absurd idea, right? If someone came to me today to tell, uh, tell me we should make chocolate, I would um, explain to them all the reasons why that's a bad idea. You know, we are a tree planting organization, restoration organization. We don't know anything about chocolate. We don't know how any of this works. But, you know, we were younger back then. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't know it was a bad idea. And a lot of lucky things, I guess, lined up as well. We found a supplier who was willing to produce the chocolate for us. Um, and sell it to us essentially at cost. And we were relatively quickly able to convince a group of retailers to also sell the chocolate at cost. So all of the, uh, the profit of the chocolate would go directly into our restoration work and our other uh, project work. So only about six months after we had the idea, the first bars of the chocolate uh, were in the first stores. And it's now 10 years later, and we've uh, managed to plant many millions of trees around the world, especially in different parts of Mexico, um, to uh, with those uh, chocolate donations or the chocolate sales. And one of my favorite parts of that work is actually the fact that this, this work we support uh, with the chocolate is tree planting with local farmers. So there's a lot of community benefits 
that comes with that restoration. Not only are we um, slowly restoring these forest ecosystems, but we are also providing income to, uh, to farmers in, in, in rather poor parts of the country. Thank you so much, Felix. Uh, and I, we take actually a lot of inspiration there. Uh, you know, something the Earth Project is currently exploring is, uh, you know, creating a platform we call One for Earth. It's how do you bring together the climate action community where there's so many cool projects and get great visibility for them to know what, what else is going and how do you create spaces where you can learn. And I, I think it's very inspiring to hear about how you've used technology as a real core tool to really scale impact, you know, and you, how, how do you go from, you know, at planting one tree at your school to, you know, having all these organizations across the world and knowing about each other and working in more coordinated fashions to, you know, have trees planted all over, you know, how can we use technology as a tool to really facilitate that? So uh, it's very, very inspiring stuff, Felix. Maybe a question of that is for young people, especially, but really anyone, um, you know, wanting to get into climate action in general, and uh, perhaps maybe the tree planting space specifically, what is their first step? That's a really, really important question. And we've thought about this a lot. And this is why we developed our Plant for the Planet Academies. These are essentially one-day workshops where uh, mostly kids between the age of, uh, of 10 and 14 learn about what the climate crisis is, um, what we can do about it, and specifically why it's so important to restore ecosystems um, and trees around the world. And then during that day, all participants, um, you know, play uh, play different games, lots of cool things, and also, you know, of course, plant trees and make plans of what they want to do in their schools to help uh, fight the, the climate crisis. And often then also um, launch clubs directly at, at this uh, academy with other kids from their school to work together to do things in their, their local communities. So you've organized... Um, over a thousand such academies um, all across the world in 75 countries so far. And we've had over 90,000 kids um, participate in them and were then anointed as climate justice ambassadors um, after these academies. So that's one part where we're trying to um, do exactly uh, what you're asking there. And of course, anyone's invited to participate in, in, in these academies. And if there's no academy in your area, you can always just um, launch a club, a Plant for the Planet club yourself in your school. There are like detailed instructions on, uh, on how that works. It's really not that hard on our website and also lots of project ideas what you can then um, do in your school, how you can get started. So cool. I've also noted a theme throughout the conversation so far is sort of like an ignorance is bliss sort of mentality where at the very start of the organization when you were nine, you thought, well, we need more trees. I'm going to plant more trees. <laughs> and then uh, same with your um, your teammate, Max. Well, no one's willing to give us their chocolate. Well, let's make our own chocolate. <laughs> let's figure out how to do that. And I, I just love, I think I think maybe we could all take a page out of kids' books in, in trying to maybe reduce the amount of self-doubt that we have or the amount of questions that we have when trying to start an initiative like this and just and just try, just start and do something. And, and if it doesn't work out, like if you ask for one euro per ton of chocolate um, to be donated and people say no, then now you know that the answer is no and can try to do something else. Um, but I, yeah, I just really like the thread so far of just try something, see if it works. Maybe it will, maybe it'll grow into growing 
millions of trees across the planet. Thank you. <laughs> I have a couple more questions about changed chocolate. I saw that it was also listed as fair trade and carbon neutral, which I think are other really important aspects um, to add to the list of, of great values that you've embedded into this organization. Can you explain first what part of the process is fair trade? What does that mean exactly? And then what part of the whole chocolate making and packaging process is carbon neutral? Can you share a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So Fairtrade is, as most of your listeners probably know, a certification process to ensure that especially the farmers in the early steps of producing a product like a chocolate are adequately and properly compensated for their incredibly important and valuable work. So all the, the, the primary products that go into the chocolate are Fairtrade. And Carbon neutrality is another similar sort of certification process that ensures that the net impact of this product in terms of climate is neutral. We, of course, try to keep the climate impact of the production of the chocolate as low as possible. But, of course, in the way that our global economy is structured today, it's not quite possible to avoid all carbon emissions, especially, uh, for instance, in the transport of the chocolate. So all of the emissions from the chocolate that cannot be entirely avoided are therefore compensated. And that's how you then get that climate neutrality. So that's mostly done through agroforestry projects for the chocolate. And this is, of course, independent of the trees that we then planting on top through the funding of the chocolate. So it's basically carbon neutral based on that certification, and then we plant um, the trees on top of that. I think those are great details to know. I think that sometimes, sometimes these words or terms that we see all the time can become more of buzzwords, and maybe we, we don't mm -hmm. truly understand or value the, the actual work or meaning that goes into those words. So I do, I appreciate you clarifying a little bit more what those mm -hmm. what those mean absolutely i also noticed that the distribution uh is currently set to some countries within europe so are there any plans to expand beyond that and and what's that process like yeah we unfortunately only sell the chocolate in austria and germany at the moment as you can imagine Shipping one of these projects, uh, products uh, across the world is not ideal. So if we really were going to um, start bringing it into new markets, we probably have to produce it locally. And all of that just means that we can only really start selling it somewhere when we have a certain scale and in, in the quantity we can sell. So if we had retailers in, in other countries that were willing to work with us, we'd be very excited to, to bring it to other markets as well. But as you can imagine, we're mostly a, a, a tree planting and forest restoration organization. Most of our staff are experts on, on doing these kinds of things. And we don't have a, a huge chocolate uh, team. That's really the, the main reason that we haven't um, brought it to other countries. But we'd be really excited to do that. So if any of your listeners are you know in charge at any of our big retail companies, um, maybe in Canada or somewhere else, do reach out to us. We'd love to bring it to, to other places. I, I noticed on the Plant for the Planet website that there's a hashtag being used called Stop Talking, Start Planting. 
And in the spirit of taking action, you've talked about, you know, throughout your responses so far, just, just doing something, just starting somewhere. So what, what are a few options to get involved in Plant for the Planet's work and to stop talking and start planting? Yeah, so of course, anyone is, is absolutely invited and encouraged to um, start planting and, and restoring ecosystems by themselves to where they are. But of course, that's quite a challenge for many people, right? That's why the ideas of our platform is to make those barriers for entry as low as possible. And if you can't get involved in it directly where you are, you can support some of the great organizations around the world and uh, help them restore restore trees and actually then make sure that 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 work is is actually happening so that's one of the the easy things anyone can do if you have kids or you are kids listening to this you're obviously very welcome to join one of our academies and learn there what you can do in in your schools in your communities or um or start or join a plant for the planet club so there are lots of um uh, lots of things anyone can do uh to help there Amazing, Felix. Thank you again. And in spirit of stopping talking, we are reaching the end of our podcast here. Thank you again for just making time here and, and just all the incredible insights. It's a real honor for both Shitangshu and I that, that you made some time to tell us about your success so far and your story. Happy birthday again. Thanks again. It was a real honor. And, and thank you both. This was a really fun conversation. I'm really glad we got the chance to do it. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of One Act at a Time, Stories of Change. We would love to hear your thoughts on Instagram or Facebook at Take the Oath. And to learn more about the Oath Project or to nominate someone for this podcast, visit oneactatatime.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe and share it with your community so that we can inspire more people to hashtag Take the Oath. That's it from us, and we will see you on the next episode.